0: Welcome everyone to the Food, Farms, and Chefs radio show with restaurant industry author Kevin Wilson, highly acclaimed chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Join them as they interview the biggest names in the restaurant industry, tell you about the latest food trends, and give you recipes and cooking tips too. So let's get the show started.
1: Welcome to our listeners around the world via the podcast, our listeners on both talk radio, WWDB and WPEN HD two ninety seven point five 97.5 FM. It's Tuesday evening drive time for you today. We have an excellent show. Uh, It's going to start with a fantastic interview with Lou Morocco, who is the president of Brandywine Events. And then we move on to some great, great recipe talk with Lorenzo Baranilla from Epicurious Four Levels. Chef Gene, introduce your
2: fantastic guest. It is a great honor to introduce the Director of Meeting and Events at Visit Delco, as well as the President of Brandywine Events, and a dear and trusted friend, Lou Morocco. Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs, Lou.
3: How's it going, Gene? Thanks so much for having me.
2: Lou, it's a great pleasure. I mean, you are a mentor and a leader and a friend to so many of our in the industry, and you really have an amazing career, uh, one that probably a lot of people don't know. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your start. I know you have a degree in classical cooking from a culinary school that very few people knew about, but really had great history to us. Tell us a little bit about how you got started. And about your your background
3: well okay way way back way way back in the stone ages <laughs> No, I was I was uh, I was somewhat brought up my dad had a uh, nightclub and restaurant when I was a, a kid and I started going over and, and trying to earn my you know few dollars here and there every week my allowance if you would um, and I think at the ripe age of 13 I, I made my first steak very badly but I I went in the back I said dad you know I'm I'm hungry so go make yourself something okay so I did and then um, one Sunday I think I was about 14 I was down there cleaning everything he had some friends around the bar and I said you know I'd really like her like to learn how to bartend okay come on go right behind the bar so I walked behind the bar and I was always taught you know you ask the ladies first what they would like and I came up to this one woman and I said okay what can I get you to drink? She said, a brandy Alexander. It's like, I went pale. I had no idea what that was. So <laughs> that was my beginning in the industry, um, and I've been in love with it ever since. Uh, I had a short stay away from that. When I was in the Marine Corps, I got out and um, f- wanted to go back into business with my dad at the time. Uh, his, his restaurant and, and nightclub had closed. And we started a small little neighborhood bar, and that went terribly south. And, you know, I mean, you know, we both had opinions, and me being a a young 22-year-old, I had mine, and and they weren't always good. So um, from there, I went to the hotel business and uh, did some work behind the bar, became a bar manager, and decided, you know, it's time for me to go west, young man. So I uh, packed up the car and went to beautiful, sunny California and landed um, at a friend of mine's place that uh, he just happened to share one bedroom. And um, like everybody else, started there. Took a job at a nightclub. It was a high-end nightclub at the time in Beverly Hills. And one thing led to another. Ended up in um, um, Anaheim, California, uh, doing hotel work. Then started a business with two of my friends who worked at the same hotel and opened our first catering uh, business at the age of 23 in The first gig that we had was doing um, promotional cruises for a brand new yacht club that was opening up in Newport Beach, California. So three nights a week, we would pack up our stuff and go on these beautiful yachts and cruise around the harbor for like two hours uh, serving drinks and hors d'oeuvres while um, the the club owners were trying to pitch them for club membership. And that's kind of how it all began.
4: that's a that's a huge, well, a... Um, that's a huge have... jump from from you know going to a nightclub to the the yachting community
3: <laughs> well there were steps along the way I didn't I mean you know you only gave me 24 <laughs> minutes
2: <laughs>
3: you're gonna have to come you' are going to have to bring me back I'll tell you the rest of the story
2: <laughs> uh, well two things I took from that immediately is. Probably about 5% of our listeners in the world could probably tell you what it goes into Brandy Alexander. I can. I doubt anybody else, you know, or very few people can. And the part about the Marine Corps, I actually believe I knew that about you. So Semper Fi, and thank you for your service. Thank you. As the uh, son of a Marine,
3: Mm. Uh,
2: you know, it's a very endearing thing and very important. And as we go through Veterans Day and all that, so thank you very much for your service. If we come forward a little bit, I mean, just here in this area, since I've known you, I believe I I started uh, knowing you when you were the director of sales and operations at rituals Catering, mm-hmm. and then you went and uh, you went as the president and CEO of Catering Inc, uh, which was you know yours, and then and then really kind of always being entrepreneurial, you saw a great venue down in Philadelphia, which was the Chemical Heritage Foundation, and you took over down there as the the director of the Foundation uh, for Events and, and doing things like that. So you've really been on touch with, you know, what's right out there. And then you found at Brandywine Events, and then something really unique. You were really one of the first people in the area to be preaching sustainable events. Hmm. So you have what uh, we know as the SEPC, the Sustainable Events Professional Certification. Right. Tell us a little bit about you know, what that is, how you go about getting that, and, and what you learned about that that you know, we can all benefit from.
3: Well, I, I, I will tell you that, um, but I have to back up just a little bit to make acknowledgment to Ridgewell Caterers, who, in my mind, gave me my master's degree in catering. You know, if it wasn't for them and the mentors that I had there, I, you know, I don't know what I would have been doing. I might have still been in hotels or restaurants, but that's a whole other story. Uh, sustainable events is very key and very important to me. It's a it's a passion of mine. It's something that you know any of our planners or or suppliers can go after. And there's a program put together by EIC, which is the Events Industry Council. And all you have to do is go online, go online, and um, you know basically find out what the information is. <coughs> Pardon me. Um. It, it's really an all-inclusive course. It takes you from step one to all the way through and how you can even um, make your events, you know, as best as possible, zero um, waste. In my mind, I say best as possible because I, I do believe there's always going to be some kind of waste, but to, for us to minimize it is key, um, and I think it's it, we, we just need to do it. We need to do it for... Our industry, we need to do it for um, our world, really. Um, The other part to that that really speaks to me volumes is the part about food rescue. And people say, food rescue, what's that all about? Well, I remember when I was doing catering, even for my own company, we would always try to find a way to take whatever leftover food and be able to give it. Give it to the client, give it to our staff, more importantly, give it to homeless and shelters. And the programs at the time weren't always there to be receptive. Um, I remember dealing with one organization. It was a big event that we were doing. I think it was back for the Republican National Convention years ago. And I made the call. I said, look, you know, we're going to probably have a lot of food left over. What can we do? And whoever was answering on the other side said, well, what kind of food are you going to have left over? I said, I don't know. I haven't done the event yet. It's tonight, you know, but I'm sure we're going to have plenty of food. Well, we can't really help you until we know what you have. It's like, okay. Um, so it, it it was there was a miss there. The key factor is we as operators do have a significant amount of food that we can then repurpose or reuse or rescue. There's some organizations now that are out here that will actually come to your facility, pick it up. You need to tell them when, whether to bring a car or a truck or a van. Um, and they did that. Successfully during the Democratic National Convention, so sustainability, food rescue—it all goes hand in hand, and I think it's uh, an important place for us to be as a as a industry and as a community and as a good steward.
2: Well, you know, it's, it's very funny. Many years ago, I was working for museum catering in Philadelphia, and I nearly got arrested one evening because at the end of each event, I would take leftover food, and the chefs would pack it up. And I would take it over to Love Park yep. in Philadelphia and feed the homeless. Well, apparently it was illegal to feed the homeless, and I had a police officer actually attempt to, you know, arrest me one evening as I was doing that for feeding the homeless. And it kind of came to an end when, you know, I said about, hey, can I make a phone call? And he just oh, you know, you need to call for what? You know, bail or something like that? I said, no, I need to call the news media and let them know that I'm getting arrested for feeding the homeless. And, you know, it it ended right then and there to, you know, coming back to, you know, last summer COVID when I was, you know, had 10,000 meals for the police officers that they canceled at the last minute. And I Mm -hmm. was able to make a few phone calls and have all 10,000 picked up. Right. Thanks in part to Dominic Savino and visit Delco and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, the, the programs that you guys were doing down there. But so yes, food rescue is such an important thing today and there are so many great institutions out there doing things, and I'm really happy you brought that to the forefront. You know, so as a mentor, a leader, you know, somebody who has so much experience and so much advice today, you know, I, I, as a father of a recent college grad in this industry, what what advice would you give to the next generation, the generations that are going to you know, be there when when you and I are sitting and having a bourbon together in retirement.
3: Well, know, wait, wait a We could have that bourbon together before retirement. What are you kidding me? Come on, Gene.
4: Where's my invitation? <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, if I have to wait until I retire, forget it. <laughs> no, no,
4: That's no. it, Luke. You and I are going All out right, for going, some bourbons. We're, we're doing yeah. that in in exactly
3: thirteen minutes. Um, so the, I mean that's a really good question I, you know let's face it there's things have changed quite a bit in our industry but some things remain the same it's key for the young ones coming up that they gather as much information learn as much as they can and experience as much as they can when i work with um some of the, the newcomers to our industry i say okay what's your first thing what's what what are you passionate about and you can't just say i want to be a meeting planner or an event planner or a caterer what what are you passionate about and they'll come off and say well You know, I love uh, the marketing aspect. I love this. I love that. I said, okay, great. Now you need to learn everything else. Now you need to go and work for, if you want to be an event planner, you need to go work for event planners. You need to work for decorators. You need to work for florists. You need to work for caterers. You need to, why do you need to do that? Just so you understand what they're going through. So when you get on the job, you know what your fellow people that are supplying you with what you need to get it done you can relate to, and you know what they have to go through to get to that point. If you don't, you're going to be constantly shooting yourself in the foot. You'll be like, okay, well, you know, uh, this can be done like in, in 10 minutes. Well, no, it, it, it really can't. And sometimes they were think, well, you know, Gene. I mean, everybody says, you know, no matter what, whatever's going to happen, whatever the best laid plan is, you better have uh, plan B, C, D, and keep going through the alphabet depending on the weather. So, you know, it's all that.
4: Well, there's also that that poster that, you know, I I love this poster and it's it shows like a mountaintop and beneath it is, you know, a water line. But beneath that is is the building blocks of that mountain. And, you know, it's the key to success is not what, you know, others see, but it's all of what builds up to that point to get you to that successful point. And, you know, given also that what you just described, you know, becoming familiar with all of your vendors, you also need to know, like, the background history of, like, budgeting and, you know, how to run things. So, like, that's key, too, and that's something that you do.
3: Well, you're exactly right. It's all building blocks. I mean, you you, you gather that through the experience of of working with others. You gather that through the experience of just being out there. But I also tell the young ones, I said, you know, it's, it's very important. Your net worth, your net worth equals your net work. If you don't have a strong network, even out of the gate, you know, what does that mean? Well, that means that I know that I can count on certain people and the businesses they represent to be there and get my back in case something happens. And it it really always will happen. There will always be something happening. Now, you know, I mean, I've never had a perfect event and I've been doing this for well over 30 years.
2: Well, that you know, what you said is so true. It's it's a lesson I learned a long time ago. You know, that network of people that have and you're certainly in mine and you know, Phyllis Jabodowski and Dominic Savino and, and you know, the, the whole, you know, list that goes on and on and on of, you know, who are you gonna share that foxhole with when you have the, the event that's overwhelming and huge and you know, you've been there through so many events that I've been involved with, with Dominic or other ways and it you know, really when you, when you see somebody like you come onto the site or Dominic or Phyllis or, you know, any of them, you know, okay, I can now go do this because I know that that is taken care of. They have that. Right. So, you know, that experience you have in every aspect. And I agree, you know, people don't understand. They need to learn every job out there. You, you know, if you can't, if you don't know what the dishwasher does, how to you allow them to do their job? Right. You know, it's really, it's really that simple. So, as we go into, you know, obviously now COVID is is the thing that everyone talks about. It's, you know, really the hot button in the industry. But there's so many other important things that, you know, topics that our industry has to be focused on. What are, you know, a few of the things that you see that, you know, our industry is really changing around or hot buttons in our industry um, that, businesses and caterers and, and planners need to pay attention to.
3: Well, I mean, right out of the gate, it's, it's staffing, your, your labor. The labor unit is, is just dwindled quite a bit. So even with all this advertisement about, you know, come and work for us, you're going to make X number of dollars an hour, and, you know, signing bonuses and that, which is all wonderful and great, first of all, it's long overdue, and that's, an, that's a shame on our industry. Our, our key operators that know the business have been paying their staff well. There's been some that you know. Obviously, this is hurting on them, and you know, I I can't say anything about that. But um, staffing is going to be key, and then right with that staffing is training. You know, as well as I do, there are a lot of operators out there that you know, you know. All I want is a warm body. You know, put <coughs> your put your apron on and go out there and serve hors d'oeuvres. You don't have to do anything else, or you know, whatever. There's no training, so. It's, it's not sustainable for their business to grow, okay? Um, so those are, those are a couple of things. Uh, the COVID, it, you know, COVID's not going to go away. I mean, no matter what anybody says, it, it's here, and the protocols need to be in place, and we need to follow those protocols, you know, to whatever greater or lesser degree is mandated by, you know, the venue, the county, the state, CDC. I mean, that varies. I have a program coming up in florida next month and you know the clients a little bit wigged out but you know it's 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 we we have to make the precautions to make them feel safe and the attendees And the same thing holds true whether it's a corporate or a social event now a lot of people are saying well you know it's a wedding you know it's not a big deal and they're all family or friends of family again y- y- you know there has to be a certain level of of Caring for those that are a little bit more vulnerable, and how do you do that? And it's our part of our responsibility, I believe, as as operators and planners, to to offer suggestions on how to mitigate that, or how to how to at least reduce the risk of any kind of um, spreading. So those those two are the big ones. Um, whatever is going to come down besides that is really you know everything else that's happened. So tech became. Really big. You need to know what virtual events are. You need to know how to plan them. You need to know how to budget for them. You know, that's been a major, major issue, too. Again, you know, when's the time that you need to suggest that to a client? Is hybrid the best way to go? What does that look like? And when you set the stage for a virtual or hybrid, what's that look like from the guest perspective, whether they're there live or they're there zooming in? So there's a lot of different pieces to that c- that comes in, but it's you know it it is in the same way. It's exciting, you know. It's it's moving further and further in the industry, and and I think really gives um, a lot of our our newcomers and some of our old timers a chance to kind of like learn new and interesting things to get their trade up to uh, where it needs to be.
2: Well, thank you for that. Yes, it's it's a very interesting world right now. I mean. And, and image is so important, and there's precautions. You know, people don't realize that, you know, one of the major sources for hospitals and, and especially private hospitals is fundraising. And, you know, that fundraising has been cut off, you know, for the most part because you can't do live events. Even if what the rest of the world is doing in weddings and things like that for a healthcare operation to go out and have a live event is just very bad optics, and so they're all staying away from that. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize, you know, the, the importance of, you know, being on top of virtual events. Um, at Chestnut Hill College, where I am, we've done our scholarship gala the last couple of years virtually, and last year we were able to generate more money than we ever have see. in doing that. Uh, if you Put the time and effort into it they can be done very successfully
3: Well, see so you bring up so. a good point it's just a new way of thinking there's another way of thinking about it here's this here's the problem here's the challenge that we face now let's let's turn it on its ear a little bit and think differently how to approach it you know which is uh you know a proof to your success there at, at the college
2: well thank you and Fortunately, I have somebody like Phyllis Jablonowski standing next to me and holding my hand. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit easier that way, like, you know. Well, again, it's um, the
3: people you know, Gene. <laughs> that, that, that,
2: is, that is very true. I, I keep those, <clears throat> the best close, so. You know, Lou, I, I'm sure you've been through a lot of challenging events in your life, and I believe that you were part of one we did many years ago. When the, uh, when the, you know, yeah, the, I was the, wondering
3: the if you're going to bring that one up, Gene. How do you number that? <laughs> yeah,
2: is that, yeah, this yeah,
4: like a yeah. lobster in the shower kind of uh, <laughs> ordeal?
2: No, no, no. was no, for a good cause. But, you know, is there anyone that sticks out in your head as, you know, just a truly, you know, wow, we we really did something significant Against all odds there. What well, think it sticks out to you.
3: Yeah, there. I mean, quite honestly, there's a few. I mean, it, you know, it, like I said earlier, there's never going to be a perfect event. There are challenges each and every time. I mean, you know, I remember doing a wedding in horse country not too not too long ago, actually, when I had Catering Incorporated, in a beautiful setting. You know, the tent is beautiful. We set up everything, getting ready for the ceremony to take place about 20 yards away and someone forgot to lock up the horses, so they came running through the tent, <laughs> you know? I mean, just, just, Stop you, horsing around. I mean, exactly, you know? And, and just the look on my staff's face, and, you know, us just kind of waving our arms, like, oh, don't come over <laughs> here. You know, I mean, things like that, things like when we first came to town here, we didn't realize that bridges were, like, lower in some parts than the other. I remember, I think I was here maybe three or four months on my way to a, a, a wedding, and with walls, we used to have our own equipment, rental equipment. And our equipment would go in one truck and our food would go in another. So I was, in the, I was following the equipment truck because I had no idea where this was. You know, it's, it was a new venue for me, a new location. And they were going down King of Prussia Road. If anybody's been on King of Prussia Road, you know that there's a bridge there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that bridge claimed that truck and it was stuck. <laughs> full of all the tables, chairs, oh, oh, oh. glassware, oh. flatware, linens, everything for a wedding for about 125 people. So, I mean, you know, the, it's 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 all that. And then as you referred to, you know, that um, flooded area that we decided to um, make the call to move to another location yeah. very quickly.
2: <laughs> yes, 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 that was a, that was a very unique, you know, let's uh, change event locations in two hours and <laughs> make it a spectacular event I exactly mean, you know, and you know we uh, don't skip
3: a beat we just keep on moving you know it just it just we just make it happen and that's that's what we do we're very blessed and very get very um quick thinkers that, too well yeah but you know i mean people put a lot of trust in and, and care and what they want done whether it be a wedding, whether it be a birthday, a bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, wedding—you know—a corporate event. I mean, they put trust in our ability to make it happen, so it's really that's that's what we need to do. Yeah. Come, you know, high water or or yeah, bridge or horses. <laughs> it's Just, <yeah>.
4: <laughs> <laughs> just being able to pivot and uh, you know accommodate.
3: Exactly, exactly, and do that with a smile and making sure that. They know that you're not stressed, and you try to keep them all calm. Not everything's fine. It's all good. You as sure? long
4: as you uh, put on that facade for them, <laughs> right?
3: <laughs> yeah. Inside is another story.
2: <laughs> so 18 years ago, you, uh, you went out and formed Brandywine Events. If I'm corrected my, uh, my math there, that would be 18 years ago. And I, I know you hate me saying that because you don't want to realize it was that many years ago. But um, tell us a little bit about Brandywine Events, what you do, what, what that, what's that all about?
3: Well, you, you know, Brandywine Events is, is my company. We're a meeting event planning company. Uh, truly what we do is we do all that, but we also work with other planners. I mean, I started out working, fortunately working for other planners uh, with my knowledge in food and beverage and logistics. So when I, when, I, when Catering Incorporated closed, and I started looking around for what was going to be my, my next act or my next thing to do still in this industry. Um, I was fortunate to be around a group of people in our local chapter of MPI that kind of, like, spirited me on. And then the first thing they said, you know, in this thing is, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, you know, I want to be a planner. Um, they said, okay, well, y- you know, you-, you should do that, but you-, you need to do some things. And one is you need to get your CMP, your certified meeting professionals, Certification, so you know what you're doing, and then apply that with your experience.
4: I also saw that ha- um, you will have sustainable events prof- uh, professional certification right. certification. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, I, did you get that prior to starting Brandywine Events, or no?
3: I, I got that after. There was an organization called Green Meetings Industry Council (GMIC), and I had heard about them, got involved with them, uh, went to a couple of their Um, conventions, and they were starting to promote this sustainable um, certificate program, which I, myself, and about 33 others were the first and only ones to do it before GMIC was kind of rolled into EIC, Events Industry Council.
4: Gotcha. Now, um, with all of the things that you do, where can we find you? Ah, ah. All,
3: you, uh, all you have to do is flash a light in this. No. <laughs> <laughs> Look across the table. <laughs> uh,
4: where can we find you online? What are your social media um, ha- tags? And, you know, what is your social media tag for Brandywine Events?
3: Okay. So, all right. Um, you can find me at www.brandywineevents.com. Dot com you can find me by going and searching me on linkedin you know lou morocco um you can find me in facebook well you can find brand new one events on facebook and connect with me there uh we're also in the process of putting together a sustainable network for um our industry so we're working on that Correct. Okay, we're,
2: we're going to bring you back when when yet uh, when yeah. that's up and running. We want to bring you back just to talk about that because I think it's such an important part of our industry.
3: Absolutely, I, I would like that. Actually, when that happens, we'll do some. Uh, we'll kind of like do some, some event right here.
1: yeah, yeah That'd that, would awesome. that. that would there be awesome. That
4: would be great. Lou, thank you for joining us. Lou, you were
1: hey. awesome. Oh, thanks for having that me. That was fantastic. This was a lot
3: of fun. It, I, it's a lot of fun you,
4: having you on too. I'm
3: sorry, to knocked the the thing around here a little bit, but I'm a so I talk with my hands.
4: <laughs> no, it's fine. And feel free to stay, and you know, while we interview our next guest, who is a uh, rising star on Epicurious. So. Ah,
3: excellent. Well, thanks so much. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me, uh, Lou. You, you were fantastic.
1: Brandy wine events. Let's go to Hello. break. Oh, good. Oh.
2: Yeah. And Lou, I will get down for with cigars and bourbon real soon.
4: Well, I, I tell you what, I'm
3: not gonna wait I'm not gonna wait long, okay?
4: <laughs> so. He'll start and you can
2: join. <laughs> we are we are over All
0: right. Let's take a break and we'll be
2: right back.
0: To become a sponsor of our show and promote your business or event on every single podcast platform, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many more. In addition to Talk Radio, WWDB and WPEN HD2 97.5 FM every Tuesday at 6pm evening drive time. Send us an email to diningonadime at yahoo.com for our very low rates. Our show is now legally an LLC. And we're back! Amorous Pollock
1: introduce your fantastic guest.
4: Hi, everyone. So I would like to introduce you to Lorenzo Baronia. Um, he is an actor who turned a home cook who has been now a rising star on the Epicurious channel. Um, level 4 cooks. So he is a level 2 home cook turned chef and you can find him all over the internet as well as his new book, Let's Do This Folks, Home Cooking with Lorenzo. Lorenzo, welcome to the show.
5: Thank you so much. And that was a mouthful, wasn't it? Goodness.
4: (laughs) (laughs) You know, as long as I don't trip over it, we're good.
5: (laughs) That was a lot of numbers. I was like, you got it. Excellent.
4: Very good. (laughs) (laughs) So how are you? And um, what got you into this? I know that you used to be an actor when you were younger. Yes, yes,
5: yes, yes. yes. Uh, I'm doing well, first off. And I am actually a professional actor. I have been a professional actor for maybe over eight years. I modeled when I was a kid, but I stumbled on this as just a side little hustle. A friend of a friend uh, said, there's a gig just for cooking for 40 minutes. How about it? I actually didn't want to do it because I'm an actor. I wanted to act and and kind of cry for the camera. But I just said, ah, sure, why not? I'm in between gigs. <laughs> and one thing led to another. And I guess after a couple of weeks and a couple of just just series, um, just test shoots, it went viral. Like crazy, worldwide viral. <laughs> I will- and... Was, that's that's how it started.
4: Yeah, I mean, you, you're people are drawn to you because you have so much energy and you're charismatic. Um, not to mention <laughs> you bring in like your history. You tell stories while you're cooking. So, some- oh, thank you, thank you. I have to say,
5: I just have fun. I really do have fun. I I really just pretend uh, that no one's there, <laughs> and I'm just cooking and just chilling out in my own kitchen. Uh, I have no idea where the energy comes from. I guess I'm just a goofball. I apologize to you folks out there in the world.
4: <laughs> but apparently it works. I was going to say because it seems like the belly laughs and, you know, everything just draws people in because I think in in general people love that positivity and and that's what you bring into, you know, your home kitchen because as you said, it's not a green screen. This is really your home kitchen. <laughs>
5: Absolutely. That's really funny that you say that.
4: Yeah, they
5: think it's a green screen and they think it's scripted, some people. But, and I'm just thinking, how could it possibly be scripted? I'm laughing. I'm laughing like a complete town idiot. (laughs) I'm nervous half the time. I'm literally laughing because I'm nervous.
4: I, you know, in that, and people don't understand that. Like, it is a little disconcerting to be in front of a camera or in front of a microphone and, you know, have it be taped live and you're like, and that's it. There's no editing.
5: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's whenever I have to forget, okay, there's no camera. I'm not being, I'm not mic'd. Let's just cook. I like cooking. I'm comfortable. This is how I put the world to rights at the end of the every day. So let's just do it and just talk
4: out loud while I do it. And <laughs> yep, exactly. And that's kind of, you know, that is particularly let your title of let's just do this, folks. <laughs> um, that's
5: exactly it. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and so you grew up cooking. And so I yep. noticed that, you know, most of your recipes are dedicated to somebody who's, you know, familiar to yes. you and your family or cousins. Um, so you have little stories that kind of go along with each and every single one of your recipes, which is highly have, entertaining, by the way. Yeah,
5: I thank you so much. And it wasn't planned that way. I have never written a cookbook or a book for that matter. I just said, I'm going to write it like I'm talking to somebody. So how I talk to somebody, I guess I tell some pretty good stories <laughs> or some dirty jokes. Let's not go there. That's, a, that's, another that's another show. That's another show. That's another show late night. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I just wrote it like I was sitting next to you, literally on the porch, having some having a beer, honestly.
4: And sharing some
5: food. Yeah, sharing some food. You know, a lot of people in my family, us, all we did was cook. That's all I remember. I was the youngest of a huge family. And so they kind of sick of me. They were handing me off, babysitting to each family member. I just remember that vividly. Everybody would have me for about five minutes, get sick of me, hand me off. But I'd always end up in the kitchen. And I ended up enjoying and behaving in the kitchen. And they just always kept bringing me there. And I literally learned by
4: watching and that's you know that's a number one way to to learn is hands-on experience um absolutely exactly and it it makes a difference too because then you you know there's nuances of like you know tasting along the way like does that you know and smelling the different spices and learning like how they prep it um
5: Yeah. Yes. yes, I agree. I'm pretty artsy-fartsy beside being able to cook. <laughs> I can paint and draw. I have kind of a photographic memory. So if I watch a show or someone cook something, I actually can recreate it right after they do it. Uh, it's just a weird thing I've always been able to do. I, I've watched and had food shows on my TV forever, not really knowing that I'm really – absorbing it through osmosis and just paying attention here and there but it just happens to be i remember the oddest
4: ingredients and combinations of ingredients for foods i've never made well that's that's an interesting thing uh trick of the trade to have
5: very it's helpful it's helpful for sure um but uh (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely helpful. And, and it makes a difference because then you have like little secret ingredients that you can pull off in your... Uh... I
5: do, I do. I have a little things and a little tips. I call flip tips because I'm Filipino. I, I give flip tips of just little tricks of the trade and just things that I had learned to add or not add. Because remember, I am Filipino, but I was born in America. So my Filipino foods in my book part Americanized, and I add a few crazy things from my own head, and then american suits I slipifies. <laughs> that's even. I, I guess I just made it up on air.
4: <laughs> It'll be your and, particular word. You'll trademark it. Right.
5: I, I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, get that in the, to the government and the <laughs> trademark <laughs> it for yourself. Right exactly. I'm, I'm going but to watch is you for what it I now. do. It's, yes.
4: Yes. <laughs> Thank now, you. And um, I, I want to say this because you wrote it in the book uh, and I yes. completely agree with you that I I did it actually the other day. I went to a restaurant and I just ordered a bunch of appetizers for my oh, yes. yes, for my main meal. And I and one of your you know first sections is tapas. Yes. And I love yes. that.
5: It's really the best way to get a feel of anywhere you go. Either it's a restaurant in your local town or it's a it's a small little restaurant, tiki hut on a beach. It's the best way to kinda of explore where you are and people's culture by ordering little tapas. Yeah. And you just can just enjoy everything from oh, they'll suggest this, they'll suggest this. Well what better way just to have appetizers the whole time instead of a full meal meal. And just go to the next restaurant and try it again. <laughs> yeah,
4: exactly. And and I, as I said, I did that recently, and um, I, I had a, ordered meatballs and a salad and um, a Yum. selection of gnocchis because, obviously, it was an Italian Ooh. restaurant. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> love it. So, love it. Yeah, and so I tried a bunch of different of their appetizers, and I, I loved it. I was absolutely stuffed, but yeah. – <laughs>
5: <laughs> That's um, the way to do it, though. That is the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Now,
4: one of your appetizers that you have in here or your tapas is the, uh, yes. I'm not going to try the the Filipino version of oh, this name, sure. but the pork and shrimp egg rolls. Oh, yes. It's called kek
5: yum. Kek yum. Uh, and it's spelled phonetically. It's pretty easy. I, and I'm an awful <laughs> as well as not good as math <laughs> but uh it's kek yum it is a beautiful egg roll with pork uh it's with shrimp it has shiitake mushrooms scallions soy sauce basically just a yummy yummy fried just goodness egg roll and Flour egg roll, which is a chewier kind of the egg roll instead of a crispy, crispy uh, rice paper, rice pastry spring roll. So you can really stuff this with just whatever you want. It is absolutely delicious. And the odd thing is people serve it at holidays, but way back when, it was actually a street food in the Philippines. They would sell it on the side of the street (laughs) as just a snack. As if somebody was by selling uh, uh, popcorn to someone. Hmm. Really interesting. But it's absolutely the most, uh, I think, asked for tapa slash appetizers I always uh, have at a party or get together.
4: Yeah. And I mean it looks delicious. And and then I, <laughs> and then I want to switch gears on you and um sure. and and go forward to it looks like one of your most popular dishes that you create online with other um with other chefs, with other home cooks, um mm-hmm. that's highlighted is your arroz caldo.
5: Oh, arroz caldo, yes, that is a rice porridge, or in, you know, Asian, they call it, uh, they call it congee, when you go to to an Asian market, or a a store uh, that sells dumplings, or any other types of Asian food, but that, I have to tell you, is just my mom's heal-all soupy yumminess. (laughs) Whenever you see uh, that brewing, or smell that brewing, you know that you're just going to be like, Ah, uh, I'm gonna stuff myself with that all day. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I know. In the picture that you have in this cookbook, it I, it I mean, it looks like it's very filling, and it
5: is so yummy. yeah.
4: Yeah, and then it looks like you have highly thinly sliced and deep fried chicken or something to that matter. Oh yes. Yeah. See, I, I see. That's my mind. It's normally not served that way. That is actually chicken
5: well it's chicken skins crackling that i add to the dish you know again it's not normally served with it at all people i've never seen it it's just something i <laughs> wanted to use because uh i make it and i don't have the skins in the the soup at the end so i said why are we wasting this delicious skin so (laughs) why not serve it up the way we like to eat it so i made crackling of the chicken skin uh and i also added a poached egg that's something that's not normally served in this soup or congee or porridge
4: yeah and that's almost like a banh mi kind of or not a banh mi um uh like a a yeah, oh,
5: yeah, absolutely. Very good. I'm glad you said it because I never pronounced that properly.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I have I have some friends who made sure that I knew how to pronounce that properly. You were a little
5: hesitant. You were little, You were like, <laughs> and well, yeah,
4: because I was trying to remember the name because I was like cycling through all the food I eat. <laughs> You you got it though, but I was cracking up. Uh, a <laughs> <group>. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's almost like doing a fa because you know they add yes. the egg and it's always like it makes it so much more rich to like have yes, the egg it in it.
5: Yes, it adds a different texture. It's like a even a decadent smoothness. It's already yummy and smooth from the porridge, but with an actual yolk in it. Oh. Good. I, you know, thinking about it, I'm just – a lot of this time looking at the, the food, I really just say I really can't believe that that is a simple, simple recipe because it's really very decadent when you look at it. And it's very pretty, and it looks like it, it took forever, but all these recipes are literally so easy. I don't even know how to spell it out even more in my book how easy it is. I keep saying it in my book. And uh, it really is. And everybody who's tried it so far has not failed. It's
4: it's great to hear the reviews so far. Yeah. And, I mean, you also, before I move on to something that is also sure. an easy recipe, or you made it easier, I should say, <laughs> um, if you also have a fun fact about ginger within that, uh, with the arroz caldo. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's just a little
5: fun thing that we do. Um, if you... It's for just for luck. I, my my lola would say, you know, if you get a ginger in your spoonful, you can. That's for luck. <laughs> <laughs> it's just just little fun things. But I just incorporate everything I ever heard my family say as it, it could be ridiculous or whatever superstition, <laughs> and I just put it in the book because it, it just ended up being really, really my voice. Yeah. If I did it that way, and I I hope and I think I really gave the the folks out there my voice when you read the book
4: i think you definitely did because it's it makes (laughs) it far more approachable when you you when you get to read little fun facts like that
5: yeah yeah now it it was fun it was fun it was fun to add those for sure
4: yeah now moving on to making things easier and your uh, filipino flip tricks um flip tips Flip tip. tips. Sorry, um, <laughs> okay. you took the risotto. The and and by the way, your names on on your recipes are interesting <laughs> too. So it's not just risotto. It's risotto low or no? It's result risotto low. yeah risotto in seared scallops which is one of my favorite dishes but you actually made it a little bit easier because instead of like slowly adding the broth and like stir and then a little bit more broth and stir which takes forever um (laughs) you kind of just pour all of the broth in at once yeah absolutely because Honestly, it's quite
5: similar to what we had just been talking about earlier, the congee, but you just have to watch it because with congee, we just put all the broth in, and it's pretty much the same thing. It's rice. You just don't want it to turn into porridge. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of chefs will say yes. A lot of chefs will say no way,
4: Jose, and I say Oh, well. It turns out perfect in my book. (laughs) Now, Gene is actually a chef, so I'm wondering, like, what... okay. (laughs) Yeah. So um, he's a professional chef and caterer. He does events, um, and he's obviously a co-host. So Gene over there probably has opinions on, you know... Oh, Gene, I'm sweating now. You're
5: making me sweat. Oh, gosh. No no reason to sweat. No, no, he's so nice.
4: He's, you know, I'm... (laughs) Have you ever, have you ever, Gene, created a recipe that just made it easier for yourself?
2: All the time. I mean, you know, I, I'm a viewpoint that a recipe is just an idea and a guide. You know, we all put our yes. heart into it to make the dish. So we all yes. bring a little bit, you know, I, I'm Eastern European by background. So, you know, I'm always thinking of things that way and looking at choosing things, you know. Recipes are just ideas and guides, and I love the fact that you, know, you approach American food with that Filipino touch and make <laughs> your dishes so unique and, you know, so wonderful in that aspect. But then, you know, you're also going to admit that your Filipino dishes are Americanized. I mean, right? <laughs> I use Chinatown as an example all the time. When I want authentic Chinese cuisine – I leave my comfort zone of the Bucks County suburbs and <laughs> I drive to Chinatown in Philadelphia. And nice. I go to the restaurant where there's no Americans because I want right. real Chinese food. <laughs> and I've carried yes. that out now where you know, every year I do a, a you know, a twelve course Chinese banquet that I open up to the public, anybody wants to come and pay. And oh, we do yeah. a wedding banquet because that's important. Otherwise, all you do is get those Americanized dishes, you know, and, and right. you know, I still sometimes want to step back and, and think that. But, yes, I, you know, that's that's important. And we all personalize <laughs> things. That's what makes it special. That's what makes cooking so fun. Like, you, your energy, watching your YouTube videos, your energy comes from the fact that you're having fun. You're cooking with your heart.
5: Oh, Aw, I, I, oh, shucks, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs>
2: and I think that you know, you know, I I too teach people, and I I've taught cooking for a lot of years. We I can teach anybody to cook, but they're only going to be good at it if they have their heart and soul in it.
5: Yes, you know, I totally other agree.
2: than that, it's just cooking. It's just you know, it's it's just a meal. It's just
5: it's not you know an experience. Yes. You're just mixing things and heating it up. <laughs> yep, yep. So. yep. I, I totally agree. I love that. I love that. Remember, you have to, it's really odd, and I'm sure you will, you will agree. When we're asked to what's the recipe, a lot of us don't even have recipes because no. we don't use it when we cook. Yeah. So in order to write down what you want to, you actually want to know egg, every step, it was really kind of odd. I'm just somebody that likes to put things together and just from
4: it's grueling i I had actually started out all of this journey that i'm I'm currently on, you know now I'm on the radio <laughs> by starting out by making recipes and posting them up um and somebody was oh, publishing wow. them. Yeah, so it is grueling to stop and have to actually measure out so that people yes. other people can follow along
5: absolutely it's odd it's a little odd because it's almost like stops your flow or natural flow of mixing things adding a bit of this adding a splash of that i'm thinking oh i didn't realize i actually added a fourth of a cup yeah
4: (laughs) (laughs) and taking that time to stop and be like okay i have to write that down now too yeah and like stir and and saute and you know let it rest and all of that
2: yeah and as crazy as it is people don't realize that if I put down a quarter cup of soy sauce, well, that doesn't translate if if I'm using a premium
5: soy and somebody else is using, you know, Walmart right. brand.
2: Yeah, They're very right.
1: different products.
5: So you're very, very true. Very true. If someone's using if someone's using Parmesan, you're going to back off on the salt content. You know, you just it's just stuff you learned along the way that a lot of people who are just looking at a recipe wouldn't really know.
4: Yeah. Now I will say that another recipe that I am eyeing up and I really want to make it. I mean, oh. it it oh it looks delectable and like succulent oh. and juicy and like just which one? Which one? The oh, oh adobo Juan Kenobi. Oh, the braised pork. I am looking at that, and you added pork belly into it. I mean, come on. Yes.
5: What it is, is, yes, first of all, it's
4: (laughs) Adobe One Kenobi. I would not name
5: that (laughs) recipe. I I laughed exactly as you just heard. (laughs) I just went, that is perfect. I'm just a goofy person, and I think it was just apropos because I also love Star Wars. But, yes, that's actually a combination of two separate recipes that I dared to put together because it's so, you know, crazy to have a... Uh, pork belly as a meal to begin with, and then you're also adding it into this rich, other pork.
4: Yes, <laughs> but funny. I mean, I just from eyeing it up. Hold on, I'll I, I have it.
5: You do I, <laughs> eyeing
4: it up. It I looks amazing. It, right it, does.
5: it is so yummy, and that pork belly is actually uh, was um, marinated slightly, and then you know I cover I coat it. And then I fry it up because who doesn't like crispy pork belly? Oh, my goodness. Uh,
4: (laughs) I think vegans are missing out because they don't know how good this is. I (laughs) I have a
5: friend that's vegan, and she even says she loves the look of the food. And I'm just thinking, I've got to (laughs) create vegan food. I've got to because she does some crazy, beautiful food, too, that I would have never thought of putting together. But, you know, hey, we all have our... Unique ways of making food, and I'd be more than happy to try different methods for sure.
4: Yeah, and speaking of trying, I would
5: challenge her to give me something as
2: tasty as pork belly.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I really do love it. It is so yummy. I can't believe it. Uh, It is. That is just something you would see at Christmas. I do it at every holiday. People always ask for it. I mean, it's just. It's not regular pork adobo. It is. You know that extra oomph of the t- pork belly, so yeah, it's it's a it's a winner for sure.
4: And then, um, speaking of things that are different, but also sure. circling around to desserts, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have the ube kins, the, yeah, the ube yeah, the ube cheesecake, which I don't, I, yes. I every, you know, ube is is love. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Ube is, you know, something that I was brought up, but I would eat it in what's called halo-halo. And it's a shaved ice Filipino dessert with a lot of different types of, you know, they put coconut in there and just and some more milk. Ube is just something else we'd add to it. Ube is really, really yummy. It's a very popular thing in, in uh, North America now. People put it in smoothies. It's rather healthy for you. It's very good antioxidant. But why not, you know, just – make people angry those healthy people and, <laughs>
4: and add it into cheesecake <laughs> i mean they turn it into ice cream and a, a tarot shake yes. or um sorry uh yeah yeah, yeah. and True. you know and 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 that's why the there's like a hashtag ube is bae because everyone <laughs> yes exactly yes. it's it's funny but like everyone loves it um yeah
5: it's very good and you know what people add a coloring to it because it's You'll see it purple and very deep purple. It's not that purple when it comes out, folks. <laughs> it's, a, it's an additive that we use just to, just to entice people's uh, eyes as well as their taste buds.
4: <laughs> and speaking of enticing people's eyes and taste buds, how do yeah. we find your book? I Obviously, I got it at Barnes & Noble's. So I posted that online. Yes. Um, that
5: was a wonderful segue, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
4: I'm, I'm a little bit known for those (laughs) (laughs)
5: Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's on every online store from target to walmart barnes and noble amazon it's huge on amazon but it's also in the stores as well if you actually want to pick it up and walk into a store and read it before you get it but yeah it's on all the online stores google has it uh it's crazy it's crazy
4: and where can we find you online
5: oh boy I am on my Instagram is <laughs> roll in a benzo, which is
4: hysterical. <laughs> I, I was like, bit. "That's so awesome that he did that."
5: <laughs> that just shows that I used to love hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lorenzo, rollinabenzo. benzo. But yes, please come to roll in a benzo on IG. I post a plethora of the foods as well as my acting gigs. Um, it, it's crazy. I I just uh, love where this food has taken me, and guess what? I'm gonna follow the food.
4: Exactly. Thank you so much for joining us, Lorenzo. And- Thank you. <laughs> Thank
1: you, Lorenzo. Thank
5: you. Thank you. you. Your awesome soy sauce.
1: <laughs> okay. Great. <laughs> uh, Philly Restaurant Reviews with an S. com for all information about the show. Amorous
4: Pollock. You can find me online at AR Pollockus or Amorous Pollock. And if you would like to reach out and be a guest on our show or a sponsor, you can reach me at AR Pollockus at gmail.com. Chef Jean.
2: You can find me across social media, Gene Blum or IB Foodie 2. Or you can always email me directly at IBFOODIE, the number two, at yahoo.com. That's IBFoodie2.com or IBFoodie2 at yahoo.com.
1: We'll see you next week. <laughs>